back, just in time for the world to be on fire again. <laughs> oh man, all the nervous laughter. So thank you so much for being so patient and kind. I took a couple of months off to focus on my stressful, adulty, professional job. And then I realized that I needed you guys in my life because you de-stress me and make me happy. So here I am. Before we get into today's episode, which is fantastic. Zeke is my guest and it just goes off the rails so quickly. I wanted to say that my heart is with Ukraine. I know we have some listeners there, some members of the pod fam, and I just want you to know that we are all with you and we support you. There is a thread in the Facebook Speakeasy group right now of ways we can help Ukraine, whether it be donating or purchasing from businesses that are donating proceeds. Even the tiniest thing of making sure you're using the Ukrainian pronunciation and not the Russian ones. Just any way we can possibly help. Things are scary. I know a lot of us are anxious and feel overwhelmed. So I hope that this hour of just complete debauchery can take your mind off things. We did record this a month ago and we were blissfully unaware what was about to happen. But I hope that we can bring a little smile to your face today and just know that my heart is with everyone and I hope everyone is doing okay. Be sure to take a deep breath, unclench that jaw, and take care of yourself, my friends. Okay, take it away, Pasquina and Zeke. Welcome, friends, to Historical AF. I'm your host, Kina. And I'm Zeke! Story and a special guest that happens to my favorite husband, here to deliver the random and weird historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Only husband. <laughs> this is It's My Birthday and I Do What I Want To, part three. Three. You were on part one, and then now you're on part three. So you're bookending this I'm, whole theme. Hey, how long is your guys' birthday? Okay. Just ask. <laughs> Listen, I may have girl boss too close to the sun because I needed some time off. So I took off January. Girl boss. Yes. Being a director <laughs> is a lot. Every day I'm like, hey, I, I should do an episode. And then the world falls apart at work. That's fair. So anyway, thank you for letting me take a month off. It, it definitely helped my mental health. And I think once we find a house and I don't have to be gone 15 hours a day, everything is going to be great. Fine. Anybody out there that's actually looking for a house in the market, let us know where they're good at. It's so bad. So bad. Adulting is bullshit. And I don't I don't enjoy it at all. Um, so how are you? Tell my listeners what life is like for you as my husband. Oh man, that has totally to live with me. I had like three topics at this point. That's great. I'm probably sure there's like a word for that or something. So I fixed her car. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, really hit something. It was an ice block or a gopher. Or no, something. it was ice. Listen, okay, so I've been at a conference and we had an ice storm. So I got to the conference before the ice storm hit, and then I got stuck there. And I was in a- Austin. It was like two hours away. One hour away. I was in Austin, and <laughs> yay! I have a can. Oh, by the way, I'm ADHD. Girl, build your empire candle. Seek me. What does it smell like? It's not that great, honestly. <laughs> it's like, it's just... No, I've smelt it. <laughs> anyway, everything was melting after the conference, and they're like, yeah, go home. And so I started driving, and I got on I-35, which is the bane of anybody's existence in Austin. 
Don't go, don't, no. 35 Texas. Anymore. It's awful. And then I just saw a semi hit a block of ice and it hit me and I couldn't go anywhere because I was surrounded on every side of people. So I just had to take it. Anyway, zippy ties. Zip tie. And then I just heard as I was driving and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I broke something again. We're so it's back. very handy that Zeke can fix shit because I break a lot of things. A lot. <laughs> I mean well, but it just happens. What else are you going for you? I'm thinking about going back to school. Oh, that's exciting. What do you guys think I should go back to school for? I'm not going to tell you what I'm good at. Zika is infuriatingly good at everything. Yeah. So there's not anything that he wouldn't be good at. So I I think that's the challenge, right? (laughs) Kind of start doing stuff you want to do as opposed to stuff you have to. Anyway, that's where I'm at, Wayne. Got to figure out my life, what I want to do. Probably go back to school. Which is exciting. That's kind of where I was Wait at. on that government. I was there a couple of years ago, and that was when I was at the library, and Ziggy's like, you have to quit your job. You're miserable. I'm Please less stressful, stop. though. I'm, just, I'm going for yeah. not really the education. And so I, I made the career change, and then that was our thing, was that I would go to school, he would take care of me, and then I would get a good job, and I'd take care of him. So now I get to be, I get to be the breadwinner, and I get to be your sugar mama while you figure your life out. I'm really excited about it. Do I have to disclose how much my stuff costs? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But the job's going well. It's very stressful. A lot going on. And every day I'm like, why is my brain such an asshole? And why can't I do things right? But just a little plug for myself. If you're a teacher and you need a lesson for like an hour, DM me and I'm going to send you some stuff. Like I'm trying to keep my professional stuff separate from the podcast but i have a lot of resources for teachers and everybody's in survival mode right now and i have a way to give you a day off so anyway i know i shouldn't be meshing my professional and my podcast life but i am so if you happen in texas around march 12th we are doing our first reenactment at my job and zeke's gonna be my new flamethrower guy i'm so excited and listen i am riddled with anxiety But the only reason I'm okay with this is because I know nobody would be better at it than him and nobody would be safer because he's ridiculously good at everything. So I'm really excited and, you know, tickets are available, blah, blah, blah. I should stop plugging my job now. Why? I don't know. I feel weird. I am dreading the day that my job discovers my podcast. I think they already have and they're just being nice. But how do you explain to like a National Museum, a Smithsonian affiliate, they have a podcast where you talk about dicks all the time. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain that. You're historically accurate. That's true. That's a good segue to our story. Go! <laughs> because that's my birthday theme. And basically, that just means that I get to do whatever I want to. I thought we should do a cheers to one of the most memorable and best gifts you ever gave me. You ready? Okay, hold on. I brought it. Hold on. I got it. I forget people's names 30 seconds after you told me, so... He forgets everything. The other day I mentioned, like, the first time he said he loved me and he didn't remember it. And I was like, God damn it, Zeke. You should remember these things. We're going to do a cheers to Rasputin. Is it cold? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I got a little thing. Well, good, because... Ah! Mine won't go that way. You see, a long time ago, in a pub, you were drinking Rasputin. I think... This is quote you said, assault your ear holes with my knowledge. And I told you the story of his enormous wanger. This and was how one it's... of the stories that I forgot to talk about. 
and how it's in a jar in Russia. And, you know, you told me, you looked me dead in the eyes and said, I love you, but you need an outlet. That's not me. And that's how the podcast was. So cheers because of that. This is the only time she gets to talk about his. Yeah. Because of that, I have this wonderful podcast and this amazing chosen family of nerds. Pinkies up on your. (laughs) Pinkies up. (laughs) It seemed fitting that today when I brought you here, we would talk about historical dicks again. You ready? I was born for this. <laughs> okay. This is actually really good. I didn't drink one before. Damn it. <laughs> what is it? Is it a... Is it, it's kind of malty, huh? Yes, it's a dark lot. So, brewed in the tradition of the 18th century English brewers who supplied the Russian Ironic. court of Catherine the Great. Ironically, product of U.S. Ooh, it says, Old Rasputin develops a cult following wherever he goes. Yeah, because of his dick. It's a rich, intense brew with big... Complex flavors and a warming finish. <laughs> no way they were not talking about his wine. No way. Whoever wrote this, they North knew. Because if you know, you know. North Coast Brewing. I need to write them a letter. <laughs> we like. should, yes. Sponsor me. <laughs> so anyway, historical dicks. Have you ever looked at a Greek statue and thought like, wow, he's got a tiny dick? No. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna pull one up. Look at that guy. Look at that and tell me you're not like... All right. I mean, he's got he's got small. Fortunately speaking, yes. His Huang Johnson, if you will. But yeah, no. Compared to apparently, the dude never skipped fucking leg day. Or Fun foot fact: day. foot day. Apparently, we are looking at Zeus. So he is the god of gods, the all powerful, ideal man. His feet are three his... times. Two. <laughs> yeah. When you look at that, if you go to a museum and you're looking at these statues, I mean, it's the grower not. It's just like, why? Right? Well, I am going to tell you, because it was purpose. There's a reason why classical sculptures all have tiny pinkies, as you say. Pinkies up. Pinkies up. No. We're about to embark on a quest to discover why. Just call us Indiana Bones. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Don't be doing Indiana Jones. If the size of the classical knob goblin is any indication, the ancient <laughs> Greeks truly thought all good things came in small, sometimes really small packages. I used a lot of penis puns. Buckle up, babe. Oh, no. <laughs> Think about it. Greek sculpture is full of vain, poppingly ripped dudes showing off their 12-pack abs. They have huge hands and feet, and then biceps that could probably crush a walnut. And then you get an itsy bitsy penis. And it kind of looks like an afterthought. But also, listen, there's no judge, So don't at me. But these artists are creating the ideal man. And this has to be a strategic move. One would think. Right? <laughs> Especially it's because no during our lifetimes, giant wangers are a sign of virility and masculinity. So let's just take the Wayback Machine to unpack the trouser snake query here. <laughs> For a little context, ancient Greece spans from the Greek Dark Ages of the 12th through 9th centuries BCE to the end of the Classical Antiquity before Common Era. To the end of the Classical Antiquity in the year 600, which led to the early Middle Ages and the Byzantine period, which is a really cool-ass period, by the way. So let's jump right into another peen pod. I'm sorry, Mom, that just had to happen. First of all, the rumple foreskins depicted in classical art are flaccid. It's an interesting choice, right? 
but how long did you spend like don't worry about it <laughs> it's an interesting choice but it means that the size is unimportant the important part is that in public at least a flaccid johnson signified self-control rest- moderation and intelligence these were all highly respected in ancient greek culture so naturally that's what they're going to depict also, fun fact, a lot of the ancient athletes that are depicted in classical art show shrinkage. So they make them even smaller to show that they've been like super active. That's what happens when you do. Yeah. <laughs> so second of all, and this is a biggie, small skin flutes were more prized and respected among the ancient Greeks. As art historian Ellen Aredson explained, quote, cultural values about male beauty were completely different back then. Today, big penises are seen as valuable and manly, but back then, most evidence will point to the fact that small penises were considered to be better than big ones, end quote. So not only were they metaphorically prized, small disco sticks were physically preferred. Come on! (laughs) Uh, Preferred? We need a little, like, dinger every time I make them laugh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's (laughs) There's probably, like, three so far. So the playwright, Aristophanes, offered a big clue in his play, The Clouds. It was written around 420 CE. And he says that the perfect man has, quote, a gleaming chest, bright skin, broad shoulders, a tiny tongue, strong buttocks, and a little prick. The men sculpted in Greek art were representing the ideal man. This was a fella who would ooze characteristics like rational, intellectual, authoritative, and coolly logical. He may still get it and have lots of sex, but that would be unrelated to his wiener size. And he'd be sure to show that he wasn't distracted by lust. So this is like the episode talking about dicks, but like dicks aren't important about yeah. anything? Uh-huh. This is the one instance, I think, that we can talk about how the size really doesn't matter. Lay gas. So Greek men did have sexy times. It was actually socially acceptable to partake in sexual relationships outside of marriage with sex workers and concubines. And it wasn't even seen as being unfaithful. And they also had like a lot of older Greek man, younger Greek man relationships. And that wasn't seen as being homosexual. So the Greeks were all about sex. And we can also think about Greek mythology. Zeus would bang literally anything. Or anyone. He's just, he was very horny. Yeah. Very I, problematic. Historically accurate, if you haven't seen it yet, Rick and Morty season four, episode five or six, something like that. Zeus was banging a planet. Mm-hmm. Zeus would bang anything. Just saying. And if Probably you notice. the most historically accurate thing. It's true. And back to our throwback photo, Zeus had a tiny, classical sex is his whole own episode, so. Classical. Yeah, like classical antiquity. It's a time period. When? Classical, like ancients and Romans. It's called antiquity? Mm hmm. When is it? I gave you the dates earlier. Let me go back. You just said during this time. No. Dark ages from 12th to 9th centuries BCE till the year 600. Boom! I know you don't listen to us. Okay. So. Finally, <laughs> classical societies didn't connect ye old bratwurst with power. To Come the- on, that was weak. That one was weak. <laughs> to ancient Greeks, a well-endowed man was a terrible leader. He'd be driven by lust rather than logic. 
and he'd be prone to making bad decisions because of his anatomy. The Greek measured power by other metrics. Quote, potency came from the intellect needed to power man's responsibility to father children, prolong the family line, and sustain the city-state. <laughs> so then we got the flip side. Another big reason historians suggest small pickles were more culturally valued is that large bullies were associated with a very specific characteristic like foolishness and lust and ugliness. So, for example, the fool in a play on stage would like waltz in front of the audience and just like plop his oversized prop penis down and everybody would laugh. <laughs> or the statues depicting a satyr, which was a lustful, drunken woodland god, always had a whopper of a dick. And I highly recommend on that one. Satyrs were half human, half animals, and shown with just like giant tripods. I got a picture here. We're going to share it here with Patreon. So that's a satyr. <laughs> Historian Paul. Did you do a side by side of that versus LA Zeus? Just saying. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. So, historian Paul Cristal notes that oversized members were, quote, vulgar and outside the cultural norm, something sported by the barbarians of the world, end quote. And they were not only associated with the lack of civilization, but they were associated with a lack of humanity as well. Side note, I recently heard that Willem Dafoe has such a large donker. They had to give him a prosthetic to make it smaller in a movie because it scared people. I, I know. I mean, like nothing about that shocked me, but I was like, all right, that makes sense. I don't know what's more disturbing, the tail or the, the dingle dangle. That's not dingle dangle. Oh, yeah, the satyr has a tail, not Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Wait, you guys can't see that? Oh, they Patreon can, but the listeners can't. That's why you should be no, a Patreon. Patreon. Anyway. What? Like I mentioned before, Zeus would have had a smaller package, but, say, Priapus would have had a larger-than-life man. He also happened to carry a curse which made him ugly and impotent, and he was looked down upon because he was a lusty bastard, which I kind of find comical because Zeus totally a lusty bastard but nobody seems to care about get in where you fit in I guess (laughs) and sculpted villainy was also presented through one key physical feature and if you guessed a larger and sometimes erect penis you would be correct I have that photo as well you are welcome so the Greeks would also depict their enemies like the Egyptians seen here on Patreon (laughs) with Huge, huge, huge. And that was to insult them. So, I mean, it did not age well. But, I mean, that's what they did. It is very large. It's 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 not subtle. <laughs> so, to sum it up, if you had a large <laughs> donger, you would be the exact opposite of the classical ideal man. And you would be shunned. So... Classical art also really formed the foundation for Western art. So that's why you see this trend kind of pop up all over the place. Michelangelo revived classical beauty standards during the Renaissance, which is pretty apparent with the statue of David, if you've seen that guy. So it's not surprising. Medium dingle. I mean, it was pretty small. And also circumcised, which he was supposed... David was Jewish. So 
riddle me that, Batman. <laughs> the Renaissance trained copying Greek art, so that's why you see that a lot. And then it kind of transferred into medieval art and all that. But anyway, that is why the Greeks had tiny uh, twigs and berries, is because they thought that it made them smarter and less lustful. Really left that. I did not say Francino. Our society is very opposite, so it'd be easy to wonder what the hell's going on. Is it on. though, or is it a perception, right? It's right. a perception, of course. So the perception of big dingle dangles, freezing berries and stuff. But I mean, you also have to think that the Greeks always presented these statues. <laughs> Somebody just logged on and saw this giant dick. Yeah, so the Greeks always showed them as flaccid and not erect. If you're erect, that meant you were the bad guy. So I saw a few historians say that, like, technically a flaccid penis might look smaller than what it is. You know, it might be a normal size penis, but they were just trying to prove that they... Might be, could be, possibly. Possibly, yeah. So, again, no Legend judgment. will have it. <laughs> Hoiner. So I think it was just an interesting little thing to dive into. Because, <laughs> I mean, you can't say that you don't go to me. like, huh? Why? Anyway, we're going to take a hard, hard turn into the next. Are you ready for it? Wait, what do you mean the next? I have two stories for you today. Oh. Do you have any guesses what my next one could be? I feel it should be equal and opposite. However, I assume it is not. This is something else I love. And you love possibly more than me. Does- <laughs> yes. <laughs> he got that one. <laughs> so we're going to shift from pocket rockets to our beloved firstborn, the Ruger dog. Ooh, Ruger. Ruger. He is Ruger. one of the loves of my life. And I believe that there, if there was an apocalypse, Zeke would eat me first before he ate Ruger. And I'm okay with that. Because- damn. <laughs> damn straight. <laughs> So Ruger, yeah, there you are, baby. Ruger's gonna hang out with us while we talk about the history of your people. Look, people, his people. We're gonna talk about the history of boxer dogs. And I would, it's not that I don't love Murray. I just, (laughs) I I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what he is. I have no. Okay. So according to Milo Denlinger, who wrote The Complete Boxer in 1948, quote, as far back as the time of ancient Assyrians, that's about 2000, by the way, a strain of dogs with powerful builds, heavy heads, and great courage were bred in war. Ruru does have a head. He's he's very courageous. Centuries later, the name of the Molossian, oh Jesus, Molossian, was given to dogs of this type, named from the city of Molossus in Epirus, which is today Albania. These are the badass ancestors that led to the German, oh God, why did I do this? Okay, bull and bicer, which literally means bull biter. Yeah, this good boy was descended from mastiffs and the old English bulldog. He's literally bred. Snatch. Yes. Um, we're going to get to it. For centuries, these working dogs hunted big game like bears, wild boars, bison, and deer. They were trained to catch and hold on to their prey until their human hunters arrived. Over time, they began to be used by farmers and butchers to guard and drive cattle in slaughterhouses, which I did not know. 
that they were herding dogs too. Fun fact, we can blame Napoleon for this because after the Napoleonic Wars, the estates where all the hunting was happening were broken up. So they were out of a job and they had to go into herding. According to John Wagner's The Boxer, the bull and visor of this time was widely used as a guard dog displaying great menacing substance, big bones, and iron. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Despite a fearsome appearance, this dog was endowed with a good temperament and a lot of intelligence. Good temperament. <laughs> they, were <laughs> they were found to have a lot of loyal qualities that people liked. The yeah. bull and Bicer was also a favorite of circus folk and traveling performers, and they were readily able to perform tricks as well as their guard dog duties. You were a little... You were carny. Oh. <laughs> so, obviously, breed was very popular, and they spread all over continental Europe and, and can be seen as early as the 16th century in Flemish tapestries. Most experts agree that the smaller Bullenbizer, <laughs> I am butchering that, I'm sure, <laughs> from Brabant in northeast Belgium is the direct ancestor of the modern boxer. However, it was in Munich, Germany, that the boxer that we know today and the ancestor of our beloved Ruger dog was born in the 19th century. Three Germans by the name of Robert, Koenig, and Hochner decided to stabilize the breed by crossbreeding the German Bullenbizer with a bulldog that was imported from England to produce a sleeker, more elegant creature. It was an old English bulldog, so one of the earlier Good breeds. Boy. Not what you would see in a bulldog today, by the way. And the bulldog blood is thought to have introduced the color white into the boxer. Because all boxers have some sort of white on them. On his mm -hmm. Boxers have a sturdy build and a very muscular body. They weigh anywhere from 50 to 70 pounds on average. And they stand 21 to 25 inches tall. With the females being significantly smaller. All the features that we love about boxers make are the elements that serve a specific reason. Wait, I read that really long. Hold on. Rewind. I'm not drunk. The very features that we love about this breed and the elements that, quote, make a boxer serve a specific reason in regard to their purpose as a hunter. So we have the wide undershot jaw that allowed the boxer to lock onto his prey and hold on to them until their master arrived. Check. Ruger's got that. <laughs> Facial side wrinkles were thought to aid a dog in acting as a guard and prevented excess blood from spraying into their eyeballs. True story. I can't. Yips. They got, they got a lot of yips. He does have a lot of yips. I don't know if that blood squirty thing is real or not, but that was a thing. No, that's a new one. The nose... And large and open nostrils set back from the face was thought to allow the dog to breathe while they were holding on. To breathe when he's <laughs> sleeping. Which brings me to my next bullet here. We know now that flatter faced dogs have breathing problems. So that was not really thought out. Even the coloring was given a lot of thought. Brindling allowed the dog to blend into their surroundings, acting as a sort of camouflage, which Ruger blends into everything. He's very blendy. You can't even get a good photo out of him. He's so blendy. Mm -hmm. Boxers can be fawn colored as well, and they tend to have a white underbelly and white on their feet. These markings are called flash, which I didn't know, and they often extend to the neck or face. 
And dogs that have a lot of these markings are called flashy. They're flashy. Ruger has a lot of flashy feet. This is really interesting. Boxers with white markings covering more than one third of their coat are conventionally called white boxers, but they're not albino and they're not rare. Approximately 20 to 25% of all boxers are born white. That's pretty rare. Well, I mean, but I mean, most breeds of dogs, if they're completely white, they're albino, but boxers. No, and that comes. Would be a completely different. Yeah, that comes from the bulldog side because bulldogs are have a lot of white in them. <laughs> Genetically, these dogs are. Oh wait, I already said that shit. Ah, like fair-skinned humans, white boxers also have a higher risk of sunburn. It's true. Mm-hmm. Though this is controversial, according to the American Veterinary Medical Association, cropping is almost done for cosmetic reasons and don't have any proven health benefits. I mean, that's pretty much pretty Yeah, good, so. but Ruger has his floppy ears, so he didn't crop them. I say we. I didn't exist yet. I no, met, you didn't. I met Ruger. Ruger came first. I met Ruger at six months. <laughs> All he got so excited because he loved me. This is my mom, which he I did not. No, not, no, 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 no. I know that if, that is not how that went down. That if Ruger hadn't liked me, you would have not married me. <laughs> the modern boxer dog was born in 1894. He literally should have dog, oh. sir. Hey. <laughs> The next year, the first ever boxer club was formed in Munich. The club went on to publish the first boxer breed standard in 1902, which was a detailed document that has not been changed really to this day. This isn't a boxer. The inaugural boxer show was held in Munich in 1894 alongside some Bernards. So they weren't even important enough to have their own show. They had to hop on the back of the St. Bernard's. It's fine. It's fine. Or the St. Bernard's have to hop on the back of the boxers. Well, listen. It really depends on how you say that, folks. But listen, the boxers came in strong, but people are like, eh. But, like, they've held on as one of the most popular breeds all time since then. So, (laughs) the American Kennel Club, the AKC, registered the first boxer in 1904 and recognized the first boxer champion, Dump Vonk Dom, in 1915. <laughs> it's very German. So where did the name come from? No one knows. But the top guesses is that it pulled from the Bullen Beiser, and they noticed boxers like to box. So they were like, we should call them boxers. Or the third theory is that it comes from the word boxel, German. And it was associated with their slaughterhouse days. <laughs> Marie, what does Boxer have to do with slaughterhouse days? Okay. I don't understand. He wasn't listening. Explain historian. I mentioned it. Boxer dogs were original ancestors of the bull and bison who were the hunters. But then whenever the Napoleonic Wars happened, they didn't have the room to go hunting. So they used those dogs to herd and also guard slaughterhouses. Yeah. Listening is important. And it's a skill that you should learn. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 nope. yep, 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 yep. I will say that I like the idea of the boxer being from the boxer because I'm always all like, boxer is like the bo- Nobody touched you. Why are you crying? Like, nobody touched him. This is um, Murray. Murray wouldn't get that. <laughs> Murray would be like, oh my God. What happened to you? 
So, yeah, boxers box. Like, Ruger will box people. So I like that as the... It's not the most likely, according to historians, but I like that idea. It's probably word play or German word, but nobody knows. So, boxers... Well, somebody's dead, whoever. So, we don't know. Henceforth, historians are all dead. <laughs> it's all just... We think. Oh, well, if you don't write maybe, shit down, oh, no, no. If you don't write shit down, we don't know. Since we're not psychic, you have to write shit down. Which stop your asses from being like me. The theorizing. Boxers were a huge hit, obviously. Like why wouldn't they? And they soon spread across Europe as a jack of all trades kind that? of working dog. Like their ancestors, they were still used for bull baiting, cart pulling, livestock herding, hunting huge animals like boars and bison. And unfortunately, there were some dog fighting in there because they'll fucking suck. Or that was the time. But people suck. Like, who gets enjoyment? No, no, no. If we were living 200 years ago and people are still dog fighting, my heart would still hurt at a poor pupper crying. Don't tell me it wouldn't. Bullshit. I would still not like it. Nope, 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 nope. So around 1903, the first boxers were imported to the United States when World War II, or what? Nope. World War I broke out. Boxers were one of the first dogs enlisted into the military, serving as messenger dogs, carrying packs, and acting as attack and guard dogs. Number one. <laughs> They also worked really hard in World War II. One source says the boxers transported communication wires wearing spools of wire that unwound as the dog ran from limits on the battlefield. So, listen, my job, I do a an outpost, which is a 15-minute program on communication. 15? Yeah. And 15? now... That's all you can... Yeah, 15 minutes. And so... I want to incorporate Ruger Dog into my communications program, and I want to put a little spool oh, yeah. of wire on him, <laughs> and I want to make him run. <laughs> Down for this. I, I haven't. I don't see how it's going to happen. I know Ruger Dog. I haven't. I haven't. I'm down for this. Like, I was going to text my living history guy and be like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then I'm like, it's Sunday. He's not at work. So tomorrow while he's working, he'll be like, hey. I just found out the boxers did communication in World War II. We're going to incorporate that. Except, <laughs> and because I'm the director, it's going to happen. But unfortunately, Ruger is all like, touch my butt more than or I'm food. a working dog. It will just be a giant mess. Food, food or butt touch. So I don't see, I don't see how this is going to go well. But I really want to bring him to my communication program. Where was I at? Uh, 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 uh. Oh, we were back to spoil the wall. Okay. So, boxers started becoming really popular in the United States in the 1940s when soldiers were coming home from World War II and then brought their little boxer mascots home with them. Through them, the breed was introduced to more people and they became a favorite as a companion animal, show dog and guard dog. Oh, it's so true. Boxers are the best dogs ever. Like, the little boxer dog is the least of the problematic children that the I have. Yeah. Zero problem. Zero. Because Doug is like murdering people or animals. Doug is murdering. I, I, he might be killing people. I don't even know at this point. He just shows up covered in blood. And then Murray is like so intently focused on the neighbor dog that he has busted through like three wood panels of her fence to get through there. 
He's just a monster. <laughs> anyway, Murray is just, he's got a lot of anxiety and issues, but Ruru is so chill. Like, all he wants is you to touch his butt and scratch his hips, and he doesn't care. So, I love boxers. They're incredible. Anyway, what's I talking about? Oh, hi, Murray. <laughs> Mom was just talking about how she doesn't do I do love you, Murray. I love you so much, but you're just like a lot more work because. <laughs> Okay, so dog. we're talking about boxer dogs <laughs> in the United States. So four dogs in particular are considered the foundation of the American boxer. So they've even been nicknamed the four horsemen of boxerdom. <laughs> the first was Sigurd, Sigurd, S-I-G-U-R-D, Sigurd, born in Germany, 1929. Ten of his puppies were imported to America and became champions, or they were the progen... Oh, God. Progen... <laughs> I am drunk! Progenitors of champions. The next two were Lustig and Utz, and each sired dozens of champions. Lustig sired 41 American champions, and Utz sired 35. The last of the four was Dorian... And he won the working group at Westminster in 1937. That's before World War II, by the way. We're hopping. Okay. We're hopping around. We're hopping. Don't you? In 1949, a famous boxer, Bangaway, that was his name, won Best of Show in Westminster and went on to win 121 more Best in Shows over the course of six years. 121? Mm Mm-hmm. Does anybody make think that might be slightly made up no bang away became a famous dog appearing on the front of magazine 21 such in how as many years life and esquire in 13 years due to the success okay. of one dog the breed became very popular in the united states and at the time and continues to be one of the top 10 to top 15 most popular breeds as determined by the american kennel club as of today, when I Googled, it was number 11. Boxes are number 11 in the United States. Rudy, you're the best. <laughs> With number their one. <laughs> innate attachment to humans and their intelligence, boxes are often used as guide dogs for the blind and even as alert dogs for people who Nobody suffer. Nobody uses them as blind. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Uh-huh. And they can Show also. Me one. Sh- Google. Google one. Do you not think I Googled when I found that statistic? Exactly. I have source. Where? Show me the At one. At the bottom of my the, screen. The one. He is so appearing. Um, they are fine. also really it's, good alert dogs that no can one help. Has a boxer as a blinding eye dog. They do. They're very intelligent dogs. They have to be trained as that. Has anyone ever seen? Boxer. This is a perfect example about how if you haven't experienced something, it still doesn't mean that that thing doesn't exist. Just because you haven't experienced and saw a boxer as a CNI dog in your lifetime doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. That's why I'm asking who has seen one. It's not that I didn't, I don't believe that it's happened. So here's the situation Fucking of where it. everyone's like, like, where is it? I was like, no, show it to me. I haven't seen one yet. That's all. Oh, look at all these these images of boxer CNI dogs on Google. How does it? 
the history of, of CNI dogs. dogs. It doesn't show them doing it. That's what I'm wanting. They were one of the earliest breeds. So, yeah, they use a lot of, like... If it's the earliest breed, why wouldn't the primary... Boxer as CNI dogs. Boxerworld.com. I'll keep going. Top CNI dog breeds. (laughs) A boxer dog. The seeing eye. Boxer dogs. Fuck's sake, sir. I fact check and I cite my sources, so I'm not making shit up here. They're also really good alert dogs, which means they're really good for things like epilepsy and allergies. If he was smaller and me trained him, he could be my little blood sugar dog. Smaller. Smaller than what? Younger. We haven't trained him for that. So, like, I have my little, like, thingy in my arm that tells me when I'm having a blood sugar attack. We could train a boxer to do that. And I wouldn't have to buy a thingy to go in my arm every month. Where am I at? So, in spite of their heritage as powerful and courageous hunters, one of the modern breed's most appealing traits is a tremendous love of humans and a need to be loved in return. A boxer is happiest when he's with his people. That was a Moulin Rouge quote, by the way. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved. And I love that movie. We should watch it. Have you ever watched it? It's got Ewan McGregor in it. He's a motorcycle guy. You'll like it. Let's watch it. Okay. We're going to watch this after this. God, no, I'm we're drunk. not. <laughs> we are. Almost every lover of the breed can tell you about the kidney bean dance the boxers do. When they get really excited, they twist their bodies into like a semicircle and they start turning circles. Ruger's also really aggressive with his, like, back his thing up thing. He just, like, touch my butt. and He'll just back his butt and not everybody. He's a fantastic. And boxers are also very, very vocal. And a lot of people think that it might sound aggressive. It might be, like, rally, but they're actually just talking. Ruger, Ruger also will, <laughs> he'll growl anytime Zeke touches me because he's jealous. So it's very funny. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> but anyway, that's the boxer dogs. So nineteenth century. Didn't judge it. But yeah, nineteenth century. They came from a heritage of hunting dogs and mastiffs and great danes and bulldogs, which are my favorite dogs, also. <gasps> like I love boxers, but like my other breeds that I love Get so much. Out. Get out. Are mastiffs. Get I grew up off. with a mastiff. No. Mastiff. Mastiff. But yeah, I loved him. And Bulldogs, I had Sir Brutus Winston and Lady Annabella Davies, which is a name based off of the Kinks, which my dad was very adamant was better than the Beatles. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me for part three of It's My Birthday and I Can Do What I Want To. And I'm just so excited that you guys have joined me and have been so kind and wonderful about me taking some time off. It took about a month off to just work. Adulting is hard. Adulting on a professional super level is super hard. So thank you. And I really hope to be able to be more consistent and get more episodes out because I love this more than anything. I feel like I get drunker than ever when you're a guest. Like it's unnecessarily drunk. It's true. (laughs) So thank you. Pinkies up. Cheers, bitches. So thank you guys for joining. If you want to be a part of Patreon, which I highly recommend because then you get to watch this live and you get to watch all the fuckery that I cut out 
and comment along and talk to us as we podcast. That is, oh, and then you get to see, fatty. and then you get to see Rear Dog, Rear Dog on him. screen. Look at that! He's like, so fat. He's so blendy. You get Don't to see a video version of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> that is Patreon.com/slash Historical AF Pod. And if you'd like to buy, that is Shop.Spreadshirt.com/slash Historical AF Pod. If you have any stories that you'd like me to read online live that is historical af pod at gmail.com oh there's murray again if you're on patreon you can see the puppy <laughs> he looks way more awkward honestly murray's very awkward like He's... as awkward as Ruger is murray looks way more He's like oh, I don't like yeah so uh... <laughs> yes and if you have any suggestions on future things i should talk about or Anything else you want to talk to me about, email me, historicalafpod at gmail.com. And I think that's it. I think we're good. Ta-da! Ta-da! Through another episode. Thank you again so much for letting me have a month off. Can't wait to see what 2 has to offer. I love you guys. Thank you so much for everything. And we'll see. Okay, bye. Oh, no. I can't find my mouse. I swear I put like five times the amount of booze. Then he normally puts my drinks. <laughs> okay, bye guys. Love you. Okay, bye.